Blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf doesn't wither. Whatever he does prospers, not so the wicked. They're, they're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous for the Lord. The Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. We will go that far. So, whenever, whenever I'm involved in a wedding uh, and it comes time for me to, to speak to the couple, it's like my time, like to give my little mini message, uh, I, always like, I always like to use, first of all, I like to say some of the same things to each of the couples because there's only so much wisdom I have, so I kind of share them with, with each couple. But one of the things I like to do is, is share an image for marriage, and that image is this. Marriage is a journey, right? You've heard that before, right? Marriage is a, is a journey. Uh, and kind of like the, the image, life is a journey. Have you heard that one? Life is, a, I know it's cliche, I don't even care because it's true. And guess what? It's not even a new idea. It's certainly not my idea. In fact, it's an old idea. It's a really ancient, ancient idea. In fact, if you go to the New Testament and you look at the Greek that's behind uh, the English that we read in our, in our Bibles, uh, one of the words that gets translated as living uh, is a compound word. Uh, it's peripateo, okay? So peri is the prefix. You know the word perimeter? So that means around, and pateo means to walk. So that word literally translated is to walk around. But we translate it in our Bibles as living. So to live is to walk around. Isn't that so good? Just a word like that. They're like, we don't need a new word. It's to walk around. So to live is to walk around. To live implies some sort of movement, not just any kind of movement, but a movement with a sense of purpose, a sense of intentionality. Life is a journey. It's not a new idea. It's an old idea, and it's the same idea that this psalmist is trying to get across to us this morning. Just listen to what he says in verse 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk. You could think of it like this. Who doesn't live. Who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked. And then at the end he says, for the Lord watches over the way or the path. What do you do on a way or a path? You walk. Life is a journey. So the Lord watches over the way, the path, the journey of the righteous. But the way or the path or the journey of the wicked will perish. Life is a journey. We're all on a way. We're all on a path. Question is, what path are we on? What way are we on? What is our journey looking like the old ancient rabbis used to tell a story that goes a little something like this. There was this dude who was walking around in the woods for a very long time and he couldn't find his way out. 
After a few days, he looks and he sees another, couple, another guy. Seems like he's in the woods too. And he, he gets all excited because he's been there for a few days. And he thinks to himself, finally, I'm going to be able to find my way out of the woods. Right? And so he keeps walking towards the guy. And when he gets close enough to the guy, he shouts, Hey, brother, can you help me find my way out of the woods? I've been walking in here for so many days and I can't figure the way out. And the guy sort of shouts back to him, I don't know the way out, for I too have been wandering through the woods together. Don't go the way I've been going, for that will lead you astray. Come, let us find a way out together. Hey, look, don't go the way I've been going. I'm going to tell you, that will lead you astray. Come, let us find our way out together. Oh, I got a friend I can find a way out with. Thank you. That's kind of what the psalmist this morning is trying to give us a new way out, a new way through the woods of life, <laughs> a new way of living, right? It's not the way of sinners. It's not the way of the wicked. It's not the way of the, of the mockers. We'll get into what all that means in a little bit, but it's the way of the righteous, the way we could think of it like this. As we, as we look back on this psalm through thousands of years and also uh, through new eyes as followers of Jesus, maybe we call this uh, uh, one of the ways in which we can describe uh, discipleship, or maybe we can say that this is one of the new way of living as we follow Jesus, or maybe we could say that this is what it looks like to live life with the divine or live life with God. Life is a journey, and he's saying there's some really important things you need to know about this journey, but I think that if we, if we sort of condense it or whittle it down to maybe one sentence, we might be able to say it like this. Living with God or this journey on life with God is a never-ending back and forth between emptying ourselves and allowing ourselves to be filled up again. It's a never-ending back and forth between emptying ourselves and allowing ourselves to be filled up again. And then that continues on. And then we empty ourselves again. And then we allow ourselves to be filled up. And then we empty ourselves and then allow ourselves to be... You get the idea, right? It's just never-ending back and forth. So let's start with emptying ourselves. I don't know if that's where the journey begins, like it's the chicken or the egg thing. Like, do you allow yourself to be filled first or do you empty yourself first? I don't know, but that's where he starts. That's where we're going to start. So this never-ending journey. So we're going to first start by emptying ourselves. Let me explain what that means. He starts at verse 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. Seems pretty cut and dry, right? Seems like, but let's ask the question, who are, who are, the, who are the wicked? Who are the sinners? Who are who are the mockers? How do we describe that? Right? Martin Luther, who was the first great theologian of uh, the Reformation, uh, borrowed an idea from a dude uh, living in the 400s named Augustine. He describes sinners or the wicked or the mockers as people who are curved in on themselves. 
Isn't that an interesting idea? People who are curved in on themselves. And the psalmist seems to be indicating that these wicked people, sinners, mockers, are people who are in high status positions, who are in high social standing, who are in high social positions. And the psalmist seems to be saying, be careful. Be careful giving your allegiance there. Empty yourself of the need to associate with people who will use any means necessary, any dishonest means necessary for their own personal gain. He seems to be saying, empty yourself of your own personal ambition that leads only to your own personal gain. And then he says, it's sort of saying, empty yourself of all of other people's expectations for your life, especially if those expectations aren't good and you know it deep down inside. Fulfilling those expectations might bring you personal gain, but don't do it. It isn't worth it. In other words, empty yourself of yourself. Empty yourself of yourself. You, we, are not the center of the universe. Empty yourself of everyone else's will for your life, even your own will, in favor of the will of God. A chaplain at a prominent university received a phone call from an angry father. Father got him on the phone, and he's like, he's just exploded on the phone. He's like, I blame you for this. I hold you personally responsible for this. Right? He was angry because he had a, a, graduate, a graduate school-bound daughter uh, who decided, in his words, to throw her whole life away in order to go to Haiti to serve with the Presbyterian Church. Right? And the father screamed, that's absurd. She has a Bachelor of Science degree from Duke, and she's going to go dig ditches in Haiti. I hold you responsible for this. And the chaplain said, well, why me? And the father said, you filled her brain with all this religion stuff. And then the chaplain, who isn't intimidated, said, said to the father, sir, aren't you the one who had her baptized? Oh, that's good. Let's start there, dad. Aren't you the one who had her baptized? And he's like, well, yeah. Aren't you the one who sent her to Sunday school when she was a little girl? Well, yeah. Aren't you the one who encouraged her to go on those ski trips to Colorado with her youth group when she was in high school? Yeah, but what does that have to do with any of this? And the chaplain said, you're the one, you're the reason she's throwing her life away. You introduced her to Jesus, not me. And he says, but we didn't want this. We just wanted a good church girl. And he replies, well, sorry, you done messed up. You made a follower of Jesus. You made a disciple of Jesus. Here's the deal. Here's what it all comes down to. There are a lot of powerful people and institutions and systems in this world, in our lives, with powerful influence. These people, institutions, and systems that we just sort of swim in, right? They demand our full allegiance. They demand that we give them our total loyalty. 
And we could have a conversation that will last all day about what those powerful people and institutions, we could name them. We could, we could name the systems that are in place that will demand our full allegiance. And that conversation, if we let it, would get really uncomfortable for many of us. Psalmist says, don't give your life to those things. Don't compromise yourself for those things. Don't compromise your integrity to them. Don't compromise the call of God in your life for them. Don't even compromise yourself for your own personal gain, as good as that feels. Because the only one who deserves your full allegiance, your total loyalty, is the one who gave you life is the one who made you, is the reason you have breath to breathe and a heart that beats anyway. The, the way of life with God begins by emptying yourself of yourself. So emptying, it's a never-ending back and forth between emptying and then filling. Let's talk about filling, allowing ourselves to be filled. Verse two, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Now that phrase, law of the Lord, happens a whole bunch throughout the Old Testament. The law of the Lord. The, the word law in Hebrew is Torah. And sometimes it's used to indicate the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And other times, it's, it's meant to reflect this. It's, it could also be translated as the teaching of the Lord. The teaching of the Lord. So what are we talking about here? Like, where do we primarily get the teaching of the Lord? Any, anybody? Nobody? The Bible. The word of the Lord, the teaching of the Lord, the scriptures, and, and a lot of times within the community of people, we get the teaching of the Lord, right? So we're talking about that, and we're talking about meditating on the word of the Lord day and night. What? Like, that's a lot of meditating, wouldn't you think? That's a whole ton of meditating. Day and night on the word of the Lord. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, how in the world do I meditate on the word of the Lord all day and night? Do I have to like retreat to the desert and climb up one of those towers like the desert fathers and just spend there fasting and meditating day and night on the word of the Lord? I don't know if I can meditate on the word of the Lord day and night. How do I meditate that long? If that's how you're feeling, then I've got some news for you. You already meditate all day long. All day. All day and all night, you meditate. Everybody knows our brains don't even shut off when we go to sleep and we're snoring. Our brains keep going. We already meditate all day and all night. The question is, on what are we meditating? The question is, what are we filling our lives with that we meditate on? Because whatever we fill our lives with, we will meditate on. So I ran across a study this week um, because I looked it up, um, but it wasn't like random. <laughs> Holy moly, he just found this, wow. Um, 
the Department of Labor did a study. Uh, I don't know why it was the Department of Labor, um, but it was. They, they had this study and they did some results. And you know what they found? They found that, that we Americans, listen to this, we Americans watch on average 2.8 hours of television a day. 2.8 hours of television a day. Now, this doesn't include other screen time, like how much time you spend in front of your computer or your phone or however it is you look at a screen. Um, it doesn't include that. It just includes television. 2.8 hours a day. Do the math. That's nearly 20 hours a week. How many hours are there in a day? 24. That's nearly a whole day every week. And not quite half, but almost half that time we're sleeping. So we, what? 20 hours a week. What would it be like if we just, if we just cut that time? What would we do if we, if we cut that time by just five hours a week? Just five. So let's watch TV for, for 15 hours a week instead of 20. Hey, what if we cut back five hours a week? Do you know what that adds up to for a whole year? 11 days. How many of y'all would love 11 days in a whole year that you could do whatever you want to do? Wouldn't that be nice? Right? Now think of what, what would happen if you used just half of that time, two and a half hours a week, which is less than a half hour a day. If you really start to think about how much time we give to these things, you're like, What? Wow, what if we gave just half of that, two and a half hours, to just reading, just delighting in the law, the word, the teaching of the Lord? Don't you think we'd think about it a little bit more? Don't you think we'd think about it a little more? And you don't, it doesn't even necessarily have to be just the Bible. Like you can read a book about the Bible. Because a lot of times books about the Bible have what in them? Bible. What if, we, what if we decided to fill our lives with this stuff? Now let me tell you why this is important. Well, first of all, I'm not saying we have to boycott TV because believe me, there's some really entertaining stuff out there. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. Sometimes we get some really good joy and I think God delights in that too. Right? So we're not talking about banishing all these things. That would be crazy. But we get to decide what we fill our lives with. We get to decide how much we fill our lives and what we put in to ourselves. Right? The only question is, what are we meditating on? What are we paying attention to? Right? Here's why this is so important. Like all over the pages of this book, the Word of God, there's this idea that the Word of God, the, uh, the law of the Lord is like a, is like a seed. 
Jesus even told a story about it, a parable. He told him, maybe he even had this in mind when he was telling this parable. But he talks about how sometimes seed falls on bad soil and it doesn't germinate. And sometimes it, 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 it germinates in some soil that's kind of good, but eventually it dies. And then he t- talks about how sometimes seed fa- you know, is sown in really good soil. And what happens with that seed? It germinates and it grows and it produces fruit and it's oh so beautiful right? One day a Swiss scientist named George took a walk with his dog. And as when he came back from taking a walk with his dog, he noticed these burrs stuck in his coat and in the, in the fur of his, his, uh, his dog. And since he was a scientist, uh, this guy named George is curious. Curious George. See what I did there? That was a hard one to come up with. He took the burrs and he put them under a microscope and he looked at them and he noticed they had these little hook-like things on them. And he was like, oh man, that's how they get stuck in there. That's really fascinating. So like animals walk by, they get stuck in the birds and then eventually the animals like get off of me in a different part of the world and it germinates and it's like, woo, right? So he, this, these little hook-like features. And so he put the birds, or put the birds away, put the microscope away. And then days or weeks later, all of a sudden he just, he got this idea. And He started experimenting with synthetic fibers, and after a while, he came up with this new invention called Velcro. Right? From burrs. He, like, saw it, and there it is in his brain, and he leaves it alone. And a little later on, he's like, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. Right? It's like, like, the Word of God is like little, it's like a little seed. It's like a little a little package of possibility. Like we consume it, it gets in our brain. And without even knowing it, it starts to germinate and grow in our lives. Just like an acorn, it gets dropped to the ground. And, and after a while, there's an oak that sprouts from the ground. And, and after a long while, it becomes this mighty oak by a stream of water. And it's able to withstand wind and rain and storms Right? That's what this is saying. The, the, that, that, that's the way the word of the Lord is. That's the way, that's the, way the Bible is. Like we, it goes to work inside of us without us even knowing it or understanding or feeling it happen. And after a while, oh, it changes us, transform us into people who can, who can withstand the things that life throws at us. So that everything we do will prosper. But in order for that to germinate, what do we have to do? Those seeds, we need to plant them. They need to be planted. Allow ourselves, what are we filling our lives with? The way of life with God. It's a never ending back and forth between emptying yourself and filling yourself and, and then emptying yourself again. So let's go back to that idea. When those seeds germinate in our lives, They transform us into strong trees by streams of water. What happens next? He's like a tree planted by streams of water, which does what? It yields fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever happens, he does prosper. I really like that. 
Let's, let's think about trees for a second. Do trees exist for themselves? We, I'm a tree in the wind. Do, they, do trees exist for themselves? Trees don't. God didn't make it like that. Trees exist to bless. Right? That's how God created creation. You know, plants, seed-bearing plants, give fruit in their season. And they bear fruit. And then those seeds create more. And it's just, it's a blessing. It's a, it's a giving. Trees give shelter to animals and birds and human beings and animals get life by eating the fruit that trees bear. Trees empty themselves of their fruit. This is exactly what the Bible means by blessing. This idea, blessed is the one. Right? God blesses creation so that creation blesses. We don't live for ourselves. We, don't, we aren't blessed for our own sake. A blessing is always meant, always meant to be shared, given away, emptied out. Life is a journey. Life with God is about emptying ourselves and allowing ourselves to be filled and emptying ourselves again. So what's your journey looking like? What is, what is your way? Examine your life. Is there something you need to let go of, get rid of? Is there something you need to push aside and say, no, that isn't, that isn't where I want to go? Do you need to take a right or a left? What do you need to fill yourself with? Or do you just need to take a break? and stop and rest for a while and allow God to fill you? Where are you? What do you need to do? Make a choice today. Decide something. And then tell somebody about it. Because if you don't tell anybody about it, you're probably not going to do it. Right? Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for um, the ways in which you speak to us in it and through it. And uh, thank you for the community of people that we have here, that we can open up your word and investigate it and ask questions with one another and, and, and just rely on your spirit to, to help us and guide us. Uh, we're, we're grateful for that. And God, some of us here are, are, are thinking about our lives. We're, we're doing some self-examination because you, spirit, have led us into that. And we ask, oh God, that you would show us the way. Give us the path. Give us the courage to talk about it. To make a choice with resolve that these are the things we're going to do. At least for a season. God, we trust in you. We want you to know we love you. Change us and transform us in Jesus' name. Amen.